Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Peter Santa. Welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and commodore of cocktails. That's right. I do enjoy my cocktails and uh, hot August nights as well. Uh, hey, welcome to the dog days of summer, um, and go figure that everyone is still wearing masks and practicing physical distancing, and uh, well, being friendly, I hope. Um, it's it's hard, but this, this virus has re- reared its uh, ferocious head again into our communities, and uh, it's quite troubling because, remember, you don't have to have symptoms to, to, to get it so or to have it. Um, so, you know, let's all try to work together and get rid of this thing. Uh, well, what happened? Remember the Capitol Hill protests? Yeah, how'd that turn out? That was really fun. But uh, uh, it's really time for fun, and we don't get too political here on Happy Hour Radio, even though uh, it seems to be every other station, every other channel of information tends to be so skewed these days. But I can always tell you I will be truthful about the wines and the beverages and the people I bring on the show, and I want you to enjoy it. Sit back uh, and relax, because we're going to take a trip down to South America. And uh, a little country called Uruguay. Uh, I don't know if you can spell it. There's a good spelling bee question. Uruguay, right? Um, it's a tiny little town. Or a tiny town. It's a little country. Well, it's tiny compared to uh, Brazil, um, of course, in Argentina. Uh, even Chile's really long. But this is on the east coast of South America. And I'm really pleased to have um, one of the ambassadors for uh, Uruguay and even Chile. And South America, indeed, is uh, Mele Sosa. And she's here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, her and her husband moved here. Uh, she's on the line as a representative of Garzon Winery. And that's down in Uruguay. And this is a really cool uh, property. Um, great, great wines. It's really surprising. You you know, you're always... it's. I'm always fascinated about you know the history of wine in certain countries, and I'm always excited and blown away when the wine is super good and, of course, very inexpensive. That's the best part. So let's welcome Mele Sosa. Hey, welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Well, hello, Chris. Thanks for having me here. Um, I'm at home and just uh, picking some uh, f- local food from from my favorite restaurant and enjoying wine already. All right. Well, that's it. It's a Saturday night here, and it's a nice night this evening. Um, let's talk about you. So, Mele, you were born in Uruguay or born in Chile? No, I was born in, in Uruguay. My father was a diplomat in Chile, and my first steps into winemaking were in Chile with Carmen Air. Ah, yeah. And uh, yeah, not, not Merlot. So I'm a winemaker. Not Merlot. <laughs> no, no Chilean Merlot. <laughs> Carmen Air. Of course. And and then I met my husband. Went to we went to UC Davis. Uh, moved to Cal- when we met, get married. Went to UC Davis in California, and I did wines in 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 California as well, but never uh, wines for my country. So I did a harvest in Bodega Garzón. I uh, get fall in love with Tanat and Alvarino and kind of uh, went back to my roots and I happily represent Garson in North America. So I travel doing the education and talking about my country and wine. So well, that's how I, I love the, it. the ambassador. I love it. So you met your husband. I take it your husband is in the wine business. 
Oh uh, no, he's in the agriculture. We in the in South America need to be in the agriculture to become winemakers. Okay. We, you cannot go through winemaking if you do do not do soils and weather. Um, uh, so I met him studying agriculture, engineering, and and then my specialization was viticulture and enology, and he did more fruits and vegetables. Oh, so you're both that, but you <laughs> both got into UC Davis. Is that at the same time? Yes. Yes, wow. yes, yes. Excellent. I did phenolics. I did studies in phenolics. That's why I'm so happy with Tanat and excited to talk about Tanat with you. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. So uh, yes, how many yes, people yes. in your class back at UC Davis, and what year did you finish? Uh, well, I graduated in 1999, and oh. I spent in, UC, in Davis like eight years. Oh, Believe wow. me, we went for only for two, but I did research at the beginning, went working in, in San Lina, and then came back at three more years of um, studies. So I, I lived in the U.S. until 2007. Okay. And then went back to, to the South again. <laughs> the South, the very far South. The Southern Hemisphere, as it were. And um, let me see. So besides yourself being the most famous person out of your class, who else might but we recognize some names in that <laughs> class? Anyone? <laughs> Uh, well, I was well. I was a schoolmate with um, with um, uh, Aurelio Montes from Chile. Okay, yeah, from Montes Montes Alpha. Yeah, yes, Montes Alpha. Very good friends with Laura Catena. Oh, she's uh, great. She's been on the show. Oh yeah, we enjoyed a very nice Zoom uh, uh, last week with Laura and Eduardo Chadwick as well from Chile. So Argentina, Chile, and Uruguay, because we are becoming a, like like lions, like big. It's Uruguay is becoming really big. <laughs> really, how many people in Uruguay though? I mean, like three million, five million. Yeah, we are three million and a yeah. half. It's a very small country facing the Atlantic Ocean. We are. We say that we are the best kept secret of South America because nobody knew that we produce fine wines. We are in the same latitude, thirty uh, four south of the best terroirs in South America for in, in the southern hemisphere for the production of wine. So, but nobody knew about us, and we pr- we've been producing wines for over two hundred years. But Garcon is a, is a new terroir, so it's a we are going to drink wines that are, or talk about wines that are from a new uh, wine uh, area in in my country. Wonderful, and I imagine that uh, of course the story of South American viticulture starts with, uh, of course, we have the Spaniards who came and and uh, colonized, but also. Uh, an ex-emigration uh, from the Europe when we had phylloxera, right? We All these uh, winemakers went down to South America because there was no phylloxera there at the time, and they were able to start start planting grapes and growing. That's why Argentina has a lot of Italians in there, and does Chile. And are there Italians in Uruguay as well? Oh, yes, yes. We we speak uh, Spanish with Italian accent, with the... Da, 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 the <laughs> with your hands, it's, too, I imagine. Yeah, with our hands. And and the food is very important. Uh, the Italian influence is also very important in the charcuter, charcuterie and oh. the pasta. But we are three million and a half people population country, and we have nine million cows. Really? So we are, oh yeah. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Now, now men aren't dating cows, are they? <laughs> I know. I know that happens in some small <laughs> no. countries like New Zealand. It might be sheep, but. Okay, that's good to know. No, but we have the gauchos as well, and we eat a lot of beef. Oh, the so, gauchos, so, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so fun. So um, uh, Uruguay, three and a half million people. Um, is it a mountainous territory, or does it have a ridge or, or lakes or what? No, no. We are, uh, we are a, a very flat country. We're far from the Andes. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we have a, a very, very, very small, like rolling hills, I would say, in the area where where Bodega Garzón is, but uh, no elevation. Right. So yeah, so we are uh, twenty miles from the Atlantic. The, the winery is twenty miles from the Atlantic Ocean, so we receive all the influence from the ocean. Sure. Um, and we are, as you mentioned, sandwiching between Brazil and Argentina. And Uruguay means in the native language, a uh, river of beautiful birds. <laughs> really? Wow. Yes. Uruguay, you know huh? <laughs> I did not know Uruguay. that, but that sounds like, you know, it's a pretty name uh, when you get the, the meaning of it. So fun. I'm, I'm thinking of the Appalachians or the, uh, the, the wine-growing regions of Uruguay. Is there something called video? Montevideo is the capital city. Montevideo, okay. That's... Montevideo, and it's the, the probably the most. Uh, it, it is the most is the oldest uh, wine region because all the all the immigrants and people established near the capital city. So Montevideo and Canelones, uh, I would say it's the, it's the more, most traditional wine region in Uruguay. Interesting. And how many wineries would you say there are currently in Uruguay? Oh, uh, I would say like good 500 wineries. What? Really? Yes. Oh, yes. Wow, that's that's probably the most wineries per capita for any country, I would imagine. Yeah, small ones, big ones, family one, family people that has probably one, two, three hectares and 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 now that kind of we are exporting and they are kind of adventuring into export. Yeah, we are we we have wine and we drink a lot of wine. I was going to say so a lot of it is uh, um in uh, sold here in the domestic market of course. Uh and yes, which, was Garzon one of the first uh, Uruguay wines to be exported to the United States? I don't know many. Oh, well, yes. I mean, I would say that we are very new winery. We are 10 years old. Uh, but we are leading the the exports. We are um, we are a beautiful latest technology winery, new world winery of the year by wine enthusiasts, and um, we are writing the history of a country. <laughs> I dig it. Now, um, <laughs> yes. is the population there? Uh, because we think about. Here in the United States, obviously you live in Washington State, so we know that our, our grape growing, our harvest is done by an immigrant population. Now, is there a roving group of people that travel all around uh, Chile and Argentina and Uruguay to, to do harvest, or is that mostly something the locals do to all pitch in? We, we have interns, uh, but most of the... <laughs> Free labor? Yeah, we... No, 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 not for labor. I was going to say that if we have interest like for the winemaking process, usually like people that want to learn and want to spend, um, uh, and it's good because we're in the southern hemisphere, so people from the northern hemisphere when here is winter, right. or, so they go to the, the, the they go to the south. But no, mainly uh, we we have local labor people that actually. Garzón, the name of Garz- Bodega Garzón is because we live next by the town, the little town of Garzón oh. that has probably 200 hab- inhabitants and, and <laughs> most of them Not work people. for us. <laughs> yeah, funny. yeah, so most of them work for us. Okay, wow, I see. Our this is kind of a little, a little feudal uh, system here. You've got the, the, the landowner and the winery owner, the chateau owner. Uh, does Garzon is actually, does that mean, because it makes me think of French. I think of Garçon, but is that, what is Garzon? Does it actually have well, a re- definition? Yeah. Yeah, no. For us, it doesn't mean it, that it doesn't mean anything. Uh, in Spanish, garzón is a is a boy or like a right. Like a yeah, okay. Winter, like, 
but uh, it's the name of a town and actually is the name of a, of a train station. It's a it's all very old, 100, more than 100 years train station, beautiful that you can visit in the town, little town of Garçon. It's the name of a huge lagoon as well that is next by the town. And so we wanted, wanted to be respectful with the kind of like the area and it's Bodega Garçon. We were, weren't very creative. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. that's where, you know where to find it then, right? You just can't yep. miss it if it's Bodega Garçon. Speaking with Mele Sosa, who um, is the representative ambassador for uh, Bodega Garçon, which is in uh, Uruguay. And again, the region is called, is that Montevideo? The region? Uh, we are, uh, the, the, the region is Maldonado. Maldonado. The east. Uh, we are, I would say, two, two hours and a half uh, towards the east of the country, of, All right. of Montevideo. Montevideo is the capital city. Got it, got it. And when, uh, is there a, a rules and appellations? Do you have like an, a governing body that sort of sets um, uh, limits or restrictions or guidelines on production? Well, not not yet, not yet. You, there's, uh, well, there's, five well-marked uh, growing regions, but not like regu- like 100% regulated. It's getting more and more. And also there's no regulations in terms of reserva. And- Start your day the right way. The Commute with Carlson, live and local. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle, hope you're having a great Saturday night. Uh, time for round two, and I've got two glasses of wine before me, one lovely lady on the other end. That's Mele Sosa, <laughs> the ambassador for Garzon, Bodega Garzon, out of Uruguay. Um, and Mele, you mentioned that you uh, studied phenolics at UC Davis and viticulture. Um, tell me, what is, what is a phenolic? Well, phenolics is the compounds uh, that are antioxidants in the in, in the in the wine, and we mainly find them in red wine because phenolics are in the in the skins of the and and also the seeds. The tannins are in the seeds as well. So yeah, my 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 study at UC Davis was uh, studying the health how 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 they affect our health. Uh, and you, how you can find them in our blood when you when you drink. Uh, <laughs> really? Oh boy! <laughs> yeah. Oh boy! Luckily, it's they're not mag- they're not magnetic or anything, right? I can't hold a magnet to my veins and try to collect all that stuff. <laughs> What's interesting? No. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I understand that you know as we age, and I am certainly uh, aging. <laughs> um, that sometimes red wine and tannins starts to affect the body in a negative way. It, it, I have lots of friends who who stop drinking red wine because they get fatigued. Can you explain any of that? Well, I don't know about the fatigue. My father is almost eighty-five, and he's not fatigued at all. And we drink wine every single day, but <laughs> it, it has to be maybe a glass or uh, some wines that the alcohol has, of course. Uh, um, um, the alcohol has a that um, um, dilates your 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 yes, your, your congestion, yeah, vaso so congestion, that. right? Dilates your blood vessels and capillaries, and yeah, that's why you yeah, give off heat. Probably. You give off heat because your blood and vessels. red cheeks. That's red cheeks, rosea, exactly. <laughs> Interesting. So, a phenolic. Can we can actually taste phenolics, or we smell phenolics, or we we t- we feel phenolics? Oh, uh, you can see them with with your eyes in terms of color. And uh, in, in in red wines, and Susayanas are are the ones that have uh, the color in the in the give the color in the in the red wines. But also, you can feel them in terms of um, in terms of that a little bit of bitterness or a stringency in terms of tannins. Uh, 
Interesting. They precipitate. They 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 precipitate with the. They combine with your with the protein with the inside your mouth. Sure. Proteins in your mouth, right. and so that's why you feel astringency. Sure, I get it because uh, we are our. our tongue in our mouth creates these proteins which helps make things smooth and that helps bind flu- flavors and uh, all right enough that, of that that's, that's why you that's why you like cheese with your red wine to, to, re- <laughs> to replace that, that that's that, right that, that, that protein <laughs> yeah the, the creaminess from protein so fun yes. I thought, for a moment there i thought you said that's why you like cheese whiz with your red wine <laughs> well how'd you yeah, know how yeah, did yeah. you know all right yeah. um let's talk about uh, alberino alberino of course uh, uh known for a spanish grape in the uh uh west Northwestern corner of Spain in the Galicia region, um, Ria Spicious, of course. Uh, tell me, how old is Albarino uh, for Bodego Garzon? Well, uh, uh, we planted um, 10 years ago, and we decided to put Albarino because of the similarities that our region has with Galicia, Ria Spicious. We have the uh, uh, same precipitation, like uh, 1,200 to 1,800 millimeters. That's a lot. But we have granite, uh, decomposed granite soil, so it drains really well and really fast. Well, Alvarinho is very... Re- Go ahead. Mm, sorry? Go ahead. No. Yeah, and also the the proximity to the Atlantic Ocean. All right. So just like Galicia. Sure. Um, it's interesting because you, you just said something. What was it? Um, uh, Ten years. Oh, uh, decomposed granite. Now, is this just... Um, from mountain wash, or is this actually old, old volcanic soils that have been decomposed? It's one of the most ancient soils in the world. Two, more than 2.5 billion years eroded granite. What? It's basically Pangea. That's <laughs> <laughs> Pangea. Wow. Yeah. We Good identify the sister soil in Africa from Nigeria to Angola. It's what it goes from uh, our, uh, Bodega Garçon to Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. So it's it's basically very, very old, old Asian soils. Very cool. Well, we know granite has uh, quartz and uh, probably some silica and some basalt, I believe. Now, I'm tasting this wine. This is, tastes like it's only stainless steel. There's very little batonnage. I'm not getting too much creaminess on the palate, but against a white peach, uh, jasmine flower, um, it's yes, very pretty. Yes, yes. It's, uh, the minerality is very subtle, but you can, to me, it's a perfect triangle in between... Uh, the acidity, a little bit of salinity. Once you swallow the wine, I, I, I could, I, I can feel like a salinity. I hear you. So, yeah, yeah. And then the creaminess that you can feel it in the in the base of your throat or in your kind of like uh, the back of your cheeks. So you probably do and three months batonnage, right? This is not a lot, but it's, it's I get the creamy. Three to six. Okay, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Three to six. Yeah. Yes. Nice finish. Yes. Mm. And it's, it's screw it's top. A beautiful wine. It really yeah. is a beautiful wine. And um, what's the price point for this wine? Well, all the reserve wines that are that we've been tasting, that we are going to taste tonight, it, they're around twenty dollars. All right. So they are very great for drinking every day. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I like it. I like your style. Okay, on to one of my favorite wines that I've had. Um, this is the Pinot Noir Rosé that blew me out of the water. I had no idea that Uruguay would grow Pinot Noir, let alone, uh, let alone make a fantastic rosé. Rosé is hard, and this is really wonderful. Well, that's a beautiful uh, wine, Pinot Noir. We have a very, very small production. We only have um, six mm. hectares of Pinot, Pinot Noir. And um, that wine is free-run juice that we ferment in stainless steel. And mm. it's 100% Pinot Noir, what makes it very elegant. And at that price point, to find a 100% Pinot Noir, you can find Pinot Noirs from Grenache, or you can basically make 
uh, rosé out of any red <laughs> wine, but... And they do wine, in Washington, don't they? Boy, I tell you that. <laughs> Got Franc. I don't know. You can... But Pinot Noir is a very elegant grape. So Absolutely. I think that, that yeah, the rosé is very, like, bundle-style cherries and party of sour cherries. I love it. I love that wine. Very <laughs> elegant. Uh, Bandol-style. I've been to Bandol. Um, certainly, this is, is beautiful, pale pink, uh, kind of a salmon color. Um, the acid is nice and bright, but not too high. And it does have a little bit of lees contact, which gives you some creaminess that sort of combats that uh, acidity. But also the fruit is nice and pink fruit. It's uh, bright cherry um, and raspberry, really delicious, really smooth. Um, and again, this is $20 too, the 2019 yeah. Reserva Pinot yep. Noir Rosé. Amazing. Yes, yes, and it's 2019. It's very fresh. <laughs> mm. Extremely fresh. I really like that. Now, uh, I'm on to a couple red wines here, and one is called Marcelan, and I'm really interested in learning about this grape. Oh, Marcelan is so, so, so much fun. Wow. Marcelan, um, it's to me, it's the wine geek, wine lover wine. is the one that I cannot show up in my in my group of wine lovers without a bottle because it's a hybrid grape mm-hmm. developed in France at the end, uh, uh, like in the 60s, by famous ampelographer Paul Twell. And they were seeking, they crossbred Grenache and Cabernet Sauvignon, seeking for a hybrid grape that develops, develops finesse and elegance and productivity. For some reason, they didn't use it. But in a collaboration in between France and China, Marcelin was taken to China. And right now is the is the most great planted in China right really? now. Really? Oh, so I thought it was Chardonnay for sure. No, it's Marcelin now, huh? It's Marcelin right now. Wow. And it was declared last year as a part of the Bordeaux blend because it, it is so elegant and so beautiful and it's so dark. Wait, it, declared it's, where? Sorry? Decla- who declared it a Bordeaux grape in the Bordeaux blend? Uh, well, the Bordeaux people. Really? Friends. <laughs> yes, oh boy. it's part of the Bordeaux. Yeah, it's part of the Bordeaux. I was not aware it's a great, of that. Uh, Bordeaux grape variety. Yes, um, it's really tasty. It reminds me of Dolcetto, but it's got some smokiness. It reminds me of a little Cab Franc, where you get some of that uh, the berry flavors. Grenache. You get red fruits and dark red fruits. Um, the tannin is soft, uh, and the tannin is very, very gentle here. I'm, I'm really impressed with this grape. It's very smooth because you, you swirl that wine in your glass, and mm. you prepare yourself for a huge wine because it's very, very dark. Wow, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Color. But when you put it in your mouth, it's velvety, and the acidity is refreshing, so it's dangerous because it prepares you for more and more and more, and all of a sudden, the bottle is gone. <laughs> it is dangerous. I love it. Speaking with the dangerous lady, dangerous liaisons, <laughs> Meli Sosa of uh, Bodega, Bodega Garzon. And our last wine here is Tanat. Um a beefy, huge grape known from the region of Cahors, uh, the black wine of Cahors, now in Uruguay. Yes, yes, yes. It's a national grape. I'm so excited about Tanat. My Washington license plate is Tanat. No so you way. Can see a car that says Tanat. All right. Of course. Oh no, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. An anagram. Tanat is a, yeah, Tanat. It's a palindrome. You can read. That's what it I want. That's it. what I meant. Palindrome. I'm thinking yeah. Jeopardy. Uh, this is. I can't believe for such a dangerous, big, burly grape that this is so smooth and so generous. How did you do that? Well, uh, I can proudly say we tamed Tanat. Tanat was known for this you unapproachable, it, yeah. hard, it's the most tannic grape mm. variety. Mm-hmm. That's why the name Tanat. Yeah, in Medellin, where it's produced in France, the origin, um, you can approach a Tanat one, once every 10 years and maybe enters in a 2% or 4% in the Bordeaux blend, but never 100%. Sure. So Medellin region, 
You can find yeah, 100 Mataran. different wines. I said Cahors, but it's Mataran. So yeah, cool. and it's, it was taken to my country at the end of 17th century, and it adapted so well, um, I, I believe, because of our diet. We eat beef every day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, but um, we in in the region of Maldonado, because of the proximity to the ocean and these soils that we have, decomposed granite, uh, the, um, they are very smooth. It they is so smooth. Tame. This is really delicious wine. And these are all $20? Yes. Fantastic. Um, what's the website we can find more information? Uh, well, www.bodegagarzon.com. G-A-R-Z-O-N. Mele Sosa, what a treat. Thanks for sharing Garzon Winery here on Happy Hour Radio. Salud. Salud. Hey, folks, stick around. we got lots <laughs> more coming up right here on 570 KVI. And Grand Reserva. All right. So... Uh, that gets a little bit confusing for the um, for the United States that they they ask me well what that means that it's reserve or, or single vineyard or it's uh, but it's it's becoming more and more regulated especially the the, the area interesting Maldonado is an area and yeah. um, how much wine do you think uh, Uruguay produces are we talking more uh, a million cases of wine or two million cases of wine or is it less yeah, than that we. We have like nine, uh, nine thousand, nine thousand, nine thousand hectares. Okay, so that's so twenty thousand acres, twenty thousand plus. Yeah, so you can do the math, and we export fifty thousand cases. Okay, that's a lot. Well, that is a lot, but of course, you know, some <laughs> chateau do that in Porto alone. Uh, this is so fun! Super excited to share uh, the show with Mele Sosa, who's ambassador. National Ambassador for Garzon, Bodega Garzon, out of Uruguay. Uh, I have four wines here, Mele, the uh, Albarino, Pinot Noir Rosé, Marcelon, and Sonat. We're going to dive into those when we come back right here after this break on Happy Hour Radio. Tune it in and turn it up. Cruise home with Kirby. The Kirby Wilbur Show, live and local. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Sommelier, Christopher Chan. Hard seltzer. You've seen it. It's White Claw. It's truly, it's uh, fizzy. It's fix. And uh, there's a story behind it all. I'm super surprised to see how cool canned cocktails have become. Uh, it, it blows me away that, you know, in the old days we had to buy a two-liter thing of club soda from Safeway and some vodka and make our own. But now it's in a can. It's, it's quote-unquote low-calorie because it doesn't have any sugar, and we're all sugar phobias these days. And uh, I'm, I'm, I found this one called Fix. I haven't had it, but I was really intrigued because they have some flavors, uh, cranberry and blackberry, that um, I thought, you know, were kind of off the beaten track. We always see the lemon and the lime and perhaps the citrus, and I saw some watermelon ones, but I always think those taste fake. Now I got a company here that they they say they use actual Pacific Northwest blackberries. Um, And of course, Washington and Oregon grow a lot of cranberries, so I bet you that's probably on the docket too. His name is Mike Williamson. He was born and raised in Seattle, Washington, or at least he's what he tells me. He's now down in San Francisco making the big bucks as founder and CEO of a Fix Hard Seltzer. Hey, Mike Williamson, welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Hi, Christopher. Uh, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs> I gave you a huge buildup, man. You're supposed to go, hello, 
Seattle. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's that'll a, come uh, happy hour time. That's right. Well, it is happy hour. It's Saturday night for crying out loud. Here we go. Okay, got you. So you were born and raised in Seattle? Yeah, uh, spent 12 years in Bellevue School District, right? And, um, you know, kind of traced my origins back back to those days, you know, tracing through the uh, the rain on the golf course, you know, and playing <laughs> golf <laughs> yeah well you may have been intrepid right that's uh, if you got to want to play golf you got to get uh, the wetsuit out uh, um when did you did you go with a family down to california or were you traveling and went to college and came back or how did you get to san francisco i went to santa clara university uh, so that was the kind of exit out of um out of the Pacific northwest went went down there for four years and ended up staying were you um, with steve nash was steve nash there at the time <laughs> He, I was a little, a uh, little after him, but he definitely holds the glory spot as far as basketball players down there. Right on. So. My sister went to Santa Clara as well, and I couldn't believe that was a, that was a freaking Mediterranean state campus. Everything looked like it was, uh, you know, seriously some some fantasy movie. Everything was beautiful and manicured, and apparently everyone's kind of had some money too. But anyway, I digress. So, what did you study? I studied business, um, you know, came out of there with finance, and after after that, um, you know, kind of stuck around the Bay Area, went to work for an investment bank, um, doing some trading for a while, and after that, uh, you know, kind of jumped out of the um, that space and went back to business school again, actually. And Was that like in 2008 uh, or 2011? I, I went back to business school in, in 2015, actually. Okay, all right. Um, and so, that, but, you know, the funny thing about Santa Clara is, you're right, it's it's an absolute resort. I mean, it's like, we. I mean, my mom called it Santa Clara Resort. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's manicured lawns, et cetera. Uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing, you know, place in, in kind of like a little gem in, in you know, Silicon Valley. Um, San Jose, but yeah. It, Yes, yeah, San Jose. And, and the funny thing is, you know, actually that's kind of where the origin story for Fix actually began because uh, I started this business with my, with my, well, first of all, you know, sure, imbibing. Um, but also I started it with, uh, you know, a college roommate of mine. Was his um, name Fic? So, no, but so that's funny. There's a lot of uh, last people with the last name Fick in, in the United States. In fact, I read that about 35,000 people have that name. And it's it's somewhat a unique name, um, but there was actually a recent gathering of like people with the last name Fick from all over the country, and they got together and they kind of celebrated th- their last name, and we we basically you know provided all the Ficks. Wow. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, Fick um, as in terms of our beverage really means F I X, like a play on the word of. That's what I was thinking. I need my fix. Yeah. Yep. Well, the origin is more so about <laughs> fixing what's broken. Um, Ooh. And, and really what, what we think, you know, can be repaired. And so that's kind of where we can dive into um, the fun stuff that we make. Okay. Well, it makes me think of a Correcto, right? You know, the Il yeah. Correcto in, in uh, Italy. So you got to fix you something. <laughs> this is what you need. Instead of club soda, you're just doing a hard seltzer to sort of revive. I, I've kind of done that on occasion. Uh, I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, it's very refreshing. And that's why I've always appreciated it. I was drinking club soda out of cans, you know, 10 years ago at Safeway, right? Because I was like, I'm tired of caffeine, tired of sugar, sweet flavors. 
And here you are. It finally caught up with everything. Um, Fix Hard Seltzer out of California. The first one here is uh, Cranberry. Tell me about the process. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned, you know, about 10 years ago. I mean, I think 10 years ago, if Fix Hard Seltzer had, you know, walked into the room at, you know, one of the major retailers, we'd have been laughed out of there. Um, but today, you know, it's it's a it's a movement, you know, and in, in, in the alcohol space, and that's really driven by two things: the love of alcohol and the love <laughs> of and and the love of you know seltzer or soda. Well, um, lifestyle, and, right? They, it comes out as healthy. Right? It looks healthy. I mean, that's what it's, everything's, yeah. all these cans are white, you see fresh berries, um, and to me, that's really the niche, and, and obviously, it's refreshing and cold and easy to take, uh, and no hops, less calories. So, tell me, how do you, how do you, yeah. how did you figure out the recipe for fixed hard seltzer? Yeah, so, well, you, so you brought up cranberry. So, for example, we, we do use um, real fruit in our blend, and, you know, for example, those, those cranberries uh, and blackberries come from Washington State and, and sometimes Oregon. Um but how we created this was was about as garage startup as you can possibly think. You know, we're really just, you know, blending up, fermenting um, different kind of blends in in carboys. You know, at, at the at our houses and at a lab that we got. And but the original focus was looking at hard seltzer and saying, okay, it's a huge trend, but is there opportunity for it to taste better? Right. And that was where we said, well, low sugar, low cow, but also what if we introduce real fruit? Right. So our first attempt, our first attempt was actually fermenting. Let's say we wanted to make a cranberry hard seltzer. We actually fermented cranberries. Right. Really complicated. Not ocean spray. <laughs> Not ocean spray. No. And, and but it's very complicated. And, and so what we ended up doing was fermenting um, a sugar base. And, and which is pretty common with a lot of the other, other hard seltzers. Um, but what's different about Fix, and this is kind of where the more wine element came in, is we actually introduced uh, orange juice into the ferment process. And, and, and so we really started out with that. And so we're talking about fermenting orange juice, so fructose and suc- sucrose or sugar, you know, you know simple table sh- sugar, um, into a, a neutral alcohol. And it really created what we have now, which is a really, really smooth base alcohol. Interesting. For did the orange juice, did acid sort of transfer at all? Because sometimes you take a, a, a spirit and you'll find different tactile notes, whether it's um, obviously bitter from Amaro's or, or uh, salty from, from flavors. Uh, but is, was there any acidity in that? It definitely transfers. Uh, we like, I mean, it... it holds up and kind of, you, you know, you can have that base alcohol and we ferment it to about 15% and it's kind of like, it looks like a Chardonnay and it, you drink it and it's kind of got a strong flavor, um, but it definitely transfers. Interesting. Sure. And yeah, we ferment it like completely dry. So there is no sugar whatsoever. You know, <laughs> That's funny because that. what, what, what's interesting about that, when people hear that, oh, there's absolutely no sugar in it. Well, that doesn't mean there's no calories in it, right? I mean, because alcohol has oh. calories. But see, that's the funny thing is people, oh, it's totally dry, no sugar, <laughs> but still has right. flavor. Well, alcohol has, you know, you know a sweet taste. 18 um, calories per 1%, right? And so, you know, no matter what, you know, the higher ABV you go, the more alcohol or the more calories you're going to get. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I know. Um, that's, that's how it and, works. And, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That, you know, and, and that's, um, 
that's something that we, you know, we focus on is let's keep it at 5%. And so what that means is, you know, we take that 15% ABV, which is really that, that base alcohol, which is really something we actually perfected up kind of in the Sonoma area. We're working with winemakers up there. Um, and again, it's a beer. This is technically, this is a beer, but we use very much a, a winemaking method. Um, and, uh, well, you, know, you, you say, brew, I mean, you say a beer, but you have to brew ingredients. I mean, you have to grain and, and yeast or, uh, hops and things. Whereas you're just, you're actually just fermenting a, a sugar. So that's yeah, kind of, correct. and I think when you have acid in some of these flavors, that gives it the more wine flavor. I think that's why the, to me, the cranberry is absolutely delicious. Um, and I'm looking at it, each can is a hundred calories. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you know that cranberry is about uh, three three grams of sugar. Yeah. Um, and th- those three grams of sugar are from the actual cranberries themselves. This is great. Well, tell me the website. Fix drink. So fixdrink.com, F like Frank, I-C-K-S. Um, com, And these are available yeah. at QFC, Whole Foods, and Total Wine, and uh, yeah. BevMo. Awesome. It's Mike Williamson, CEO and founder of Fix Hard Seltzer. Hey, folks, stick around. we got a lot more coming up on Happy Hour Radio. He's loud. He's proud. Holding nothing back. Michael Savage. The Savage Nation. Weeknights 9 to 11. Talk Radio 570 KVI. Now more KVI Want to Know Weekends. Back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, hope you're having a great Saturday night. Welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I'm speaking with Mike Williamson, founder and CEO of Fix Hard Seltzer out of California. The first one here is uh, Cranberry. To me, the cranberry is absolutely delicious. Um, you know, you got uh, color. It's, it's beautiful yeah. color. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty nose. Yeah. That's one thing that's, you know, I think unique for us is, is we we leave the color in. I mean, why would we take it out? You know, I mean, the color, it's a, it's a beautiful maroon cranberry red. Right? Yes. That's uh, part of the, the visual, you know, experience. We want, I want to see it in a, in a glass with ice and make it. Otherwise, everyone else is drinking, you know, the, the clear ones. They think they're drinking club soda, so they're being sly. But here you are. <laughs> Even this, this is old school. Yeah. This is club soda with a splash of crayon back when, you know, we were trying, we were trying that 12-step program. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, I just opened up the Blackberry. Now, this one, a little, little more pale, but it has a little darker hue, but it's more pale, um, which is interesting. You can say that. Uh, but the aroma here is absolutely delicious. Well, what's interesting about blackberries is, or the our blackberry flavor is, we use blackberry not from concentrate juice, um, and and nobody really knows what blackberry juice is because no, you don't. It's not something you drink, you know. Well, it's something and, you stain you, on your white T-shirt when you're picking them. <laughs> that, 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 and that's very true. Um, and, but you're used to only eating blackberries as, as opposed to drinking them in the True. form of, you know, compared to like a cranberry. And so it has a really interesting, you know, flavor that really connects to, you know, what is a great berry, you know. I find it to be um, very dark fruit. We think of blackberries, we think about black fruit, but we also have that um, a bramble note here that comes with the blackberries. So it's blackberries to me like the kind of the Cabernet Sauvignon of grapes in that they have that herbaceous aroma, but also dark, you know, dark plum. And we use the term blackberry, poisonberry. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, uh, Loganberry. That's right. Those are all pretty related. Uh, so how many pounds of blackberries does it take to make 100 cans of seltzer? <laughs> um, 
Blackberry is pretty complimentary. Actually, there's a lot of juice in a blackberry. Yes, there is. Um, um, you know, you t- you, sometimes you have to go and you've got to, you know, use a puree um, because something doesn't really create a lot of juice. An example would be right. like a mango. Yeah. Um, but you don't need a, a lot. And for us, you know, our blackberry is about, you know, four to five percent of that. It actually says on the can it's four percent juice. Um, oh, cool. So it's, it's not it's really not much. And that's what's amazing is, <clears throat> is you get a lot of flavor mm-hmm. uh, with very little, you know, kind of, you know, caloric impact right because you know well all those phenols and blackberries you pick them ripe so you get all these phenols and anthocyanins you get everything that's ripe about the fruit and it comes up in the glass what's are these sold in four packs six packs half racks we sell them in six packs and then we have a great um great variety pack that's available with it also includes our our grapefruit and our lime and then you know it's fun is we got a mango actually launching uh in about two months and that's a that's a really bright vibrant tropical flavor that it's kind of, we're really excited about bringing awesome out. this is great well tell me the website yeah fix drink so fixdrink.com f like frank i-c-k-s um, com. and these are available yeah. at qfc whole foods and total wine and uh yeah. bevmo mike bevmo. williamson yeah. Awesome. Hey, good job. Congratulations on creating Fix Hard Seltzer. Just a couple thoughts about the world we live in. Of course, it says Seattle Sommelier, and recently sommeliers have been out of business, and uh, we want those sommeliers because they're going to help guide you. I mean, you trust the chef, but the sommelier is going to help take care of you on the beverage side, and, and that also reminds me of bartenders. Bartenders, everyone thinks bartending is so glamorous. It is a fun job, and you know, you're always smiling because hospitality is about being fun, being uh, approachable, being friendly, being accommodating, being hospitable, and being cordial and courteous and compassionate and all that. Uh, and w- we've been out of practice. Our bartending friends, you know, actually they really work really hard. Because here's the deal: most bartenders get out of the the restaurant about two a.m. and then they have to, you know, then they're wired. So that's about two to four a.m. You go to bed about four, and typically you're having a couple cocktails. <laughs> It's now 5 a.m., and you want to get, say, seven hours sleep. That gets you up at noon. You get up at noon, and then what do you do? Well, you're like, ah, got to read the paper. It's already noon, and you got to go work at four. You work for, you know, basically it's a 10-hour shift or whatever when you're in the bartending, and um, it's hard work. So when you think about these menial jobs a lot of people think of, oh, yeah, he's just a waiter. Oh, he's just a, she's just a hostess. These are people that are there to take care of people. They are first responders in in everyday life about, you know what, I want someone to cook a good meal. I want someone to make me a nice cocktail. I want someone to make me feel important, feel special, feel at ease, feel welcome, feel friendly, just to be doted on. I mean, this is we're human. We are social creatures. And as a person who deals with the public, it's important to recognize that, hey, these people that are working, they miss you. Let's go celebrate uh, when we have a chance to go out and spend some of the money we don't have. But remember, life is always better in a restaurant, dining out, and with a designated driver. Hope you enjoy the show. Cheers. Cheers.